What's up, everybody? I'm about to do a third episode of Nanotech News. Of course, my name is Ari, providing you with the latest information about nanotechnology, the latest news, the greatest news, the state-of-the-art stuff. And I actually work at a state-of-the-art memory company, so I figured it would be fitting to do a recent publication about memory and data storage. And so today's topic will be about storing data using individual atoms and molecules. And I really hope you enjoy this. So if we're going to talk about data storage, then we should cover what is data and how is it stored. Well, data can be anything that can convey information when it's interpreted. In computing, data is often reduced to bits or ones and zeros, meaning that every piece of digital information emerges from some pattern of ones and zeros. Overall, although the implementation varies from medium to medium, storing data simply requires the ability to store and read ones and zeros. There are many new types of storage media and devices in development today, and many of them involve fairly innovative ways of storing bits of information. And in this episode, I will discuss one such effort, data storage on the atomic and molecular scale. All right, let's get into the good stuff. I'm really excited for this topic today. I really try to do a deep dive into this to really understand, or I guess communicate how I understand this material and my thought process as I read this paper and this article. So in December 2018, a team of researchers from the University of Basel in Switzerland published their findings in a nanotechnology journal named Small. And in this finding that they published, they created a metal organic network consisting of surface pores that can house individual atoms. A metal organic network is just a fancy way of saying a large molecular structure that's partly carbon-based and partly metal-based. And because of its design, this large molecular structure has pores on its surface, and each of these pores can hold several xenon atoms in place. Xenon is just an element on the periodic table, same as hydrogen or helium or oxygen. They were able to use a very tiny probe to apply electrical stimulation with high precision. And if applied to one of these pores, the electrical stimulation can induce a phase change in the xenon atoms, turning the xenon from a solid phase to a liquid phase, or vice versa. Now, I use the words solid and liquid a bit freely here. In this experiment, each pore on the metal organic network enables a quantum confinement of 1 to 9 xenon atoms, and at that scale, material phases like solid and liquid are described fairly differently than what we're used to. However, without diving too deep into that, I'm going to simplify the phase descriptions as solid and liquid. So what does all this mean? Why is this important? What did the researchers actually accomplish? Well, remember how I said earlier that data can always be broken down to a pattern of bits. And so data storage only requires the ability to store ones and zeros. In this case, the solid form of xenon could correspond to a one, and the liquid form could correspond to a zero, or vice versa. This is part of an ongoing wave of new technologies referred to as phase change memory, where different phases of the same material can encode different states. This means that data can be written to this molecular network by scanning the probe across the surface and changing the phase of some of the xenon atoms contained within. In other words, the structure's pores act as data recording sites, and the probe scanning the surface acts as a way to write a 1 or 0 to these sites. In this case, the molecular network would be able to remember where its ones and zeros are placed based on which pores have solid xenon and which pores have liquid xenon. In the end, what you potentially have is technology that can store bits of information 
within individual packets of atoms. This could potentially enable the storage of data in memory cells that are no more than a few nanometers wide, allowing for further miniaturization of memory devices and hence miniaturization of all electronic devices. Keep in mind that to make increasingly powerful devices, we want to have as high of a data storage density as possible. That is to say, we want to maximize the amount of data we can store while minimizing the amount of space required to store that data. So let's compare the data storage density of this metal organic network to current technology. Well, according to computerworld.com in 2016, Samsung claimed that they would achieve storage density somewhere between 5 and 10 terabits per square inch by 2019. We can calculate the hypothetical storage density for a device made with a new atomic level data storage from this recent paper. Based on the scaled images in the published paper, I estimate that the hexagonal shaped pores to be about 2.5 nanometers in diameter. Assuming that each surface pore corresponds to one bit, a device using this metal organic network would have a storage density of 145 terabits per square inch. 145 terabits per square inch is significantly higher than the storage density that Samsung claims to have by now. And so this atomic data storage seems to have a lot of potential, right? Well, there are a few issues. For one, I assume that each surface pore on this network would correspond to one bit. But in actuality, the bits may be spread further apart to reduce leakage between bits. In other words, not all of the pores will be used to store data. This means that the actual storage density could be less than I predicted. On the other hand, I only calculated the storage density for a single layer of material. And fully developed data storage devices usually consist of multiple layers stacked together to improve density. So the storage density could be higher than I predicted. Nevertheless, there are more pressing challenges to this atomic level data storage technology, such as the fact that this data storage element must be operated at around negative 260 degrees Celsius in order to function, which makes this technology way, way, way unfeasible. But according to Professor Thomas Young, who supervised this work, this type of storage element can be operated at higher temperatures by using larger molecules such as alcohols, the magnitude to which the use of larger molecules will improve the feasibility of this design is not quite clear yet. Also, current memory technology is very fast-paced and will continue to become more and more dense, so although this concept is cool, maybe we don't need it. Nonetheless, there will come a day when our current memory technology hits a brick wall, when the technology can no longer be miniaturized unless it undergoes radical changes. The miniaturization of memory devices is extremely important not just for larger memory iPhones, but for miniaturization of all other electronics. After all, without smaller data storage elements, we cannot make smaller devices for biomedical technology, or space exploration, or energy harvesting, or any application at all. In fact, the very fate of nanotechnology and device miniaturization may rest on innovations in memory technology. Overall, experiments such as this one from the University of Basel highlight alternative methods of achieving ultra-dense data storage. And although the idea of storing data in individual atoms may seem far-fetched now, it may be just the kind of radical thinking we need to keep making better technology. And that concludes episode 3 of Nanotech News. Bear with me guys, I've been experimenting with different types of recording. My first episode of Nanotech News was guided by notes, whereas the second episode was more of me improvising. The third episode involved a full-on script, which I mostly follow. And although I do like the script because it 
motivated me to plan how I was going to do the podcast, which also allowed me to do some cool hypothetical calculations. It might be a bit too formal for me, so I might change that. So if you don't like the format, stick around. I'm definitely going to experiment with it a bit more. I'll probably be a bit more lax while also trying to do some type of uh, hypothetical calculations wherever I can. But anyway, that is it. Stay tuned for more nanotech episodes and updates on random rambles. Till next time, keep your ears open.